Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 584 for the 18th of March, 2018. This week, keeping your computer up to date is important, but it's also time-consuming, a free utility makes the process easier, and you might want the paid version instead. In short circuits, when something goes wrong with your computer, avoid the urge to do something immediately. A small delay doesn't cause most problems to become worse, but a quick action, if it's the wrong one, can be a disaster. Broadcom has terminated its attempt to take over Qualcomm. If you're waiting for fifth-generation communications gear, some might begin to appear around the end of the year. Microsoft will start making Intel microcode available for download to fix CPU problems, and in spare parts, only on the website, more women are graduating with computer science degrees, but they're still not getting top programming positions. And an open source development group wants its application to infect your network and has some convincing arguments for why you might want to encourage it. Security experts tell us that a computer with an up-to-date operating system and up-to-date applications is safer to use because updates often include security patches. Keeping everything updated can be a problem, though. Some applications remind users when updates are ready. Adobe's Creative Cloud applications do this. Firefox can be set to install updates automatically. Windows 10 includes both manual and automatic update options. Most applications, though, still depend on the user to check periodically and to manually install updates. Some utility applications, particularly those that are provided without charge, add a bit of complexity to all this by automatically installing apps you probably don't want unless you explicitly opt out. And sometimes opting out is difficult. Wouldn't it be nice to have a technician who installed the updates for you? Well, there's a utility called Ninite, and it can keep an eye on nearly 150 applications and install updates when they become available. The company has paid versions that are intended primarily for corporate IT support departments because one administrator can control which applications are updated on any number of computers. The paid version is also available for individual users, $1 per month per computer, and there are reasons why an individual user might want to pay. The per-machine cost drops as more machines are added. A 50-person company would pay $0.70 cents per month per computer. 1,000-person company drops down to $0.36.5 cents per month per computer. And if you've got a 20,000-person company, well, that company would pay $0.25.6 cents per month per computer. If you choose the free version, the process is simple. Just visit the Ninite website and select the items that you want to install or update. You'll then download a file that has been customized for you. 
it will install any applications you have selected that aren't already installed on the computer and will then check for updates each time you run it after that. That makes it a manual process, so you will need to remember to run the program occasionally. Once you've done that, though, the updates are installed automatically. When Ninite tries to install an application that's running, the update will fail and Ninite will display a message. You can then close the application and have Ninite retry the update. And if an application wants to install a browser helper object or a menu bar or any other potentially unwanted application, Ninite will simply refuse the offer. It's rather like having an intelligent helper do the work of keeping your computer up to date. There may still be applications that you have to update manually, but the 150 applications that Ninite knows about will at least no longer need to concern you. Even though Firefox, Chrome, and Opera handle their own updates, I have Ninite watch them. In all, Ninite keeps 23 applications up to date for me, including MusicB, Java and .NET Runtimes, LibreOffice, FileZilla, and 7-Zip. FileZilla sometimes comes with unwanted applications attached, so I always had to watch that installer carefully. Ninite simply eliminates that concern. So after downloading the installer, you'll run it for the first time, and the application will check the list of applications you want against what's already installed on the computer. If an application isn't there, Ninite will install it. If it is installed, Ninite will check to see if it's up to date, and if not, it'll download and install the latest version. The free home version doesn't even have ads. As Ninite puts it, pro users keep Ninite running. Now, as handy as the free version is, the paid version could well be worth the small price if you have several computers around the house, or even just one. And it's definitely worth the cost for commercial installations because the updates will happen automatically on all the computers you're responsible for. When I converted to the paid version, there were a couple of minor problems, though. Ninite repeatedly told me that Skype needed to be updated, but Skype told me it was already up to date. And Ninite also wanted to install Google Drive, which seems to cause problems with the newer backup and sync from Google. So I deselected Google Drive and selected the backup and sync option. To resolve the minor issues, I created a policy and applied it to the computer. Policies make it possible to create exceptions. Each policy is named, and it can be applied to one or more computers. Since I'm using this with just a single computer, I have just a single policy. I called it cleverly. Omit Skype and Google Drive. That policy sets those two applications to locked, and it sets all other applications to be updated automatically. If you'd like to see the full list of apps that Ninite currently knows about, there's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website that will display that information right there on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Or you can go to the Ninite website. The bottom line for Ninite, for cats, Ninite saves time and keeps your computer up to date. After using the free version of Ninite for many years, I have now switched to the version that costs $12 per year per computer. It saves time that I would otherwise need to spend updating applications, and it eliminates the bother of having some applications install unwanted components that I then have to remove. The interface is a lot more cumbersome than it needs to be. That's the only thing keeping Ninite from getting a 5-cat rating. You'll find additional details on the Ninite website, and there's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. <laughs>
In short circuits, when something goes wrong with a computer, a lot of people have a knee-jerk response, and frequently that response worsens the problem. Think of a grease fire on a stove. Your first thought might be to get water onto that fire, but that will only spread the fire. The right response is a saucepan cover that will smother the flames. Well, the computer equivalent sometimes involves the Windows Event Viewer. As handy as this component is, it might lead you in the wrong direction. Case in point, the other day I noticed that Backup and Sync by Google, which I use to synchronize Google Docs files with my computer and to synchronize some files on the computer with other computers and with handheld devices, wasn't running. Well, I restarted the service and all was well. But then, a little later, the icon disappeared again. This was repeated time and again for more than a week. All of my files are backed up using other methods, so this wasn't a serious problem, but it was annoying. When I expect a file to be accessible on a tablet or phone, I want it to be there. And when the service isn't running, that doesn't happen. So I started poking around in the event viewer to see if I could find something that identified what was killing the service. Around the time the service quit, I found several errors for a distributed comm service. Further research indicated that this error was reported 40 to 50 times a day. One might be forgiven for thinking that was an emergency, but it wasn't. The error message read like this. The server did not register with DCOM within the required timeout. The message wasn't particularly useful, but additional research led to a discussion on the TechNet section of Microsoft's website. The suggestion was simply to ignore the error. Although something that was supposed to happen didn't, the system later resolved the problem by using another method. Microsoft's engineers explained that it's better to allow the system to resolve the problem rather than to disable the component. That particular error wasn't associated with the Google service anyway. And in fact, I never did determine what causes the service to stop. At least I haven't so far. This didn't happen with the earlier version of the service, and based on feedback to Google, it seems that I am not alone. As a temporary workaround that might become permanent, I have created a job in the task scheduler that attempts to start the backup and sync by Google service every hour. That's a work in process right now because the problem isn't consistent. Sometimes the service stops and no files are synchronized, but in other cases it seems that only the icon in the notification area stops working. So although the user interface has disappeared, the service continues to sync files. National security implications, the U.S. Treasury Department has blocked the acquisition of Qualcomm by Broadcom, which is in the process of moving its headquarters from Singapore to the United States. On March 12th, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said the decision is based on the facts and national security sensitivities related to this particular transaction only, and is not intended to make any other statement about Broadcom or its employees, including its thousands of hardworking and highly skilled U.S. employees. 
The decision seems to be related to concerns about research into fifth-generation communications. Qualcomm spent about $5.5 billion on research last year, and the primary concern was that Broadcom would reduce that spending. Broadcom had said that it did plan to create a $1.5 billion program to train engineers in the U.S. and that it would make the United States the global leader in 5G. Broadcom's statement says that although they're disappointed with the outcome, the company will comply with the order. In fact, they had no choice. San Diego-based Qualcomm is the world's largest maker of chips for smartphones, and it owns many of the technologies used in 3G and 4G systems. Previously, Intel had considered acquiring Qualcomm, mainly because Intel has no products that are serious contenders in the mobile device market. The combined Qualcomm-Broadcom would have been huge, and it would have provided chips for everything from mobile communications devices and automobiles to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. By the way, speaking of 5G, in the past, phone manufacturers have released new phones before the infrastructure was present to support them. With 5G, that process may finally be reversed. AT&T and Verizon are promising to have 5G mobile hotspots in place before 5G smartphones are shipped. At last month's Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, AT&T and Verizon said that their 5G phones will be released next year, and both providers will offer fifth-generation mobile service using portable hotspots called Pucks starting this year. Late this year. Very late this year. Verizon expects 5G mobile handsets to be available during the first half of 2019, and the mobile hotspots should start being available this year. The big three wireless providers, that would be AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile, are all pushing to have 5G network capabilities by the end of the year, even though no phones will be available to use the upgraded service until next year. In other words, we have a situation in which the horse is being placed ahead of the cart, which is exactly where the horse belongs. This is uncommon. The first 5G phones will probably come from Huawei, Xiaomi, and ZTE, manufacturers based in China. Huawei and ZTE are closely aligned with the Chinese government, and there are security concerns about phones from those two companies. The 5G technology is expected to be faster and more reliable than what we have now, and it's expected to have a large impact on many industries. In a January conference call for investors, AT&T described its plans for hotspots that would make it possible for users to connect mobile devices to a 5G network.
Finally, Microsoft will be working with Intel to provide microcode updates to Windows users to deal with the Spectre 2 attacks that take advantage of Intel's poorly designed chips and the initial botched fixes that actually made the problem worse. Intel now has code that it believes to be fully functional, and the updates can be distributed either as firmware updates from Intel to computer owners or as microcode patches from Microsoft. Firmware updates are, in many ways, preferable because they address the hardware directly, but they're challenging for users to implement. So Microsoft may eventually send the updates as part of the routine patch cycle process, but they haven't committed yet to that. Instead, the new code has been added to Microsoft's catalog, and users must download and install the patch manually. Current code is available for some Intel Skylake processors, and other CPUs will be added as Intel finishes work on the patches. If you'd like to download the microcode updates, you'll find a link to the catalog on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And while you're there, check out Spare Parts, because that's the only place you'll find it. This week, more women are graduating with computer science degrees, but they're still not getting top programming positions. And an open-source development group wants its application to infect your network and has some convincing arguments for why you might want to encourage it. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like... Send me an email from there. See you next week.